0: Hello, this is Stephanie Powers, and you're listening to On Screen and Beyond.
1: On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to Episode 53. Brian Zemrack with you. This is On Screen and Beyond, and we have a very special guest for you. We have the lovely Stephanie Powers, who played April Dancer in the 60s on The Girl from U.N.C.L.E., if you remember that, or if you're a little younger, you may remember her as Jennifer Hart from the 80s and the 90s on Heart to Heart with Robert Wagner. And she's going to talk about those shows. She's going to talk about her movies she's made. She's going to talk about her love of animals and the foundation she has. A whole lot of stuff. It's really an interesting talk. And it's right here on On Screen and Beyond on our interview segment coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. And we've got so much coming your way. Just when I thought, remember last week, uh, if you listened to the show, uh, I talked about how things were going to start settling down, get back to our regular routine. Well, That's not going to happen, because episode 54 is coming out the next day. Um, Tomorrow, on the release of Paul Blart, Mall Cop on DVD, we have a special interview with Rainy Rodriguez, who played Maya Blart in the film. She was the daughter of Paul Blart, played by Kevin James. So she's a really nice guest. We're going to have a good time with her, and she's going to join us. So stick around for that. Then next week, we have some more special things coming your way. We are going to take you into the world of the Bradys. That's right, the Brady Bunch on episode 55. And also next week, episode 56 comes right out at you because on Screen and Beyond, we'll have a special guest from a new sitcom coming out next fall on ABC. It was just announced. It's called Modern Family. And we uh, you know, are going to be talking with somebody from that show. So uh, get ready for that. It's all right here on On Screen and Beyond. So we have a full slate of shows coming your way. And just sit back, relax, listen to it. And um, just when I thought things were slowing down, they picked right back up. So let's get right into Remake Madness next, right here on On Screen and Beyond.
0: Please hang up and try again.
1: Well, as far as Remake Madness, Universal is looking at remaking Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's been redone many, many times in many variations, including comedies and horrors and all that sort of stuff. This time, look for it to Star keanu reeves all right and fox is looking to remake voyage to the bottom of the sea which in 1961 starred walter pigeon barbara eden and peter lorre and it of course was later turned into a hit tv show and uh, that was a good one and primeval the sci-fi bbc show is set to become a big screen film after three seasons on the air we'll keep you updated on that that's about it for remake madness coming up next Upcoming Movies, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Well, we have a couple of things coming your way on Upcoming Movies. And it looks like Martin Scorsese is set to make a biopic about Frank Sinatra. And the rumors abound about who will play Old Blue Eyes. Well, we'll keep you updated on that. But right now... Johnny Depp seems to be the top choice. Of course, Johnny Depp is uh, <laughs> the top choice of everybody's movie, I guess. That's the way it seems. And we keep saying that, but that's uh, they keep throwing out these rumors that he's going to be in every picture. So uh, we'll see what happens with that, and we'll let you know. And Rob Marshall, who brought us Chicago a few years back and won an Emmy, uh, Oscar for that, rather, uh, returns to the musical format in Nine, which stars... Daniel Day-Lewis, Penelope Cruz, Judy Dench, Nicole Kidman, Kate Hudson, and Sophia Loren. And you can look for it November 25th of this year. That's about it for upcoming movies. Coming up next, we're going to take it down to Sequel City, right here on On Screen and Beyond. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. Well, we got a couple of things coming your way on Sequel City. It looks like uh, we've told you about this one before in an earlier episode uh, about the sequel to Piranha called Piranha 3D. But now we have a casting update for you. The cast will include Elizabeth Shue, Jerry O'Connell, Richard Dreyfuss, and Christopher Lloyd. That's right. And the original Piranha uh, starred... Heather Menzies, who we interviewed in episode 43, and you can still hear that interview uh, just by going to onscreenandbeyond.com and go to the OSB Podcast Reruns and just click on it, and you can go and find her interview. And a a lot of other interviews out there, too. Lee Majors, uh, Cliff Robertson, uh, oh, just so many out there. So you can enjoy those, and you can still hear them. But uh, Heather Menzies was in the original Piranha, Uh, but uh, this one's going to be called Piranha 3D, and uh, like I said, Christopher Lloyd's going to be in it, Elizabeth Shue, Jerry O'Connell, a whole bunch of other people. So uh, that's something to look out for, and in 2011, it's going to bring us a sequel to Nancy Drew, the 2007 film starred Emma Roberts, and they're looking for that one to come out, like I said, in 2011. That's about it for Sequel City, coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, TV on DVD. TV on DVD, it looks like August 25th, you can look for the release of 30-something Season 1 to hit stores. August 18th, you can also look for Simon and Simon as it comes to DVD in Season 3 format. And it uh, looks like May 19th, Sister, Sister, the second season comes to DVD. And Gunsmoke, the third season, Volume 2, gallops into town. And uh, that gives you a little more Matt Dillon as he brings us more action from the Old West coming at you. That's about it for TV on DVD. Coming up next, Movies on DVD, right here on On Screen and Beyond. (laughs) Movies on DVD, well, it looks like May 26th, Brothers War comes to DVD in a story set in World War II about a German and British officer who worked together to stop the Russians. And... Paul Blart, Mall Cop, comes to DVD on Tuesday, May 19th, and the next episode of On Screen and Beyond has an interview with, that same day, we have an interview with Rainy Rodriguez, who played Kevin James' daughter in the movie. That's right, and it's a special edition of On Screen and Beyond on episode 54. Check it out on Tuesday, May 19th. Right here on On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next, we are going to be talking with April Dancer, Jennifer Hart, none other than Stephanie Powers, right here on On Screen and Beyond. My guest today on On Screen and Beyond is an actress who has graced the big screen in such films as The Interns with Cliff Robertson and McClintock with John Wayne, as well as exciting TV viewers as The Girl from UNCLE, April Dancer, of course, and as Jennifer Hart in Heart to Heart with Robert Wagner. But with all the great roles she has played, she also has a love for animals. It's Stephanie Powers. Welcome, Stephanie.
0: Well, thank you very much. Um, Very nice introduction.
1: First off, I want to uh, uh, get into your acting accolades in just a moment, but I'd like to start off with uh, your work with the William Holden Wildlife Foundation, which you founded. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about that and why you started it?
0: Well, um, I had the great uh, joy of spending the last nine years of his his life with uh, William Holden. Mm -hmm. I always had a love for animals, my stepfather bred racehorses. I'd always ridden. I, my stepfather collected exotic animals, and one day I rescued a bear from a pet shop in West Hollywood, a Malaysian sun bear. the unlikely place for this poor thing to show up as a result of his mother probably being killed and him being involved in the illegal animal trade and i said to the owner of the pet shop you mustn't have an animal like this because who's going to take the full responsibility of making sure that this animal is cared for for the rest of its life and the man said you are so i came home with a malaysian son there, eight weeks old and i never looked back really? it was always uh so when i when bill and i fell in love i was always at, already in love with animals i was already in love with the man and when he took me to first to East Africa for the first time, I uh, I felt as if I'd gone home. Mm. Yeah. And Bill had uh, been out to uh, Kenya as a hunter initially, uh, as people did, you know, before they realized that the herds were diminishing in such with such rapidity, and uh, the, the numbers were in uh, just de- decreasing by uh, by alarming rates. Uh, and that that something called conservation should begin, that didn't actually happen, and it didn't even become in popular consciousness until the 1970s. Before that, people, of course, that were out in the the wilderness knew that, uh, that there was a need for conservation and preservation. Certainly Teddy Roosevelt created the first national park because... There was so much exploitation going on in the Industrial Revolution of all our natural resources that he realized that was going to happen. Well, nobody ever thought that in the third world there were going to be these problems, but of course they suffer from the same problems that we did as we were developing as a nation. And clearly, we are now very much aware of global warming. Not that a lot of people didn't know about it before um, that movie Than before the vice president, the former vice president, brought it to people's attention. I mean, there were lots and lots and lots of people talking about global warming. Mm -hmm. They used to call it the greenhouse effect. Right. And that was going on in the 1960s and in the 1970s, and uh, nobody really paid much attention to it. Whatever it was that uh, reignited people's concern, I think. It probably was the, the the demonstration that we're now seeing of the unreliability of the weather trends and ice packs melting and all, which of course has been measured for the last thirty forty years right yeah, but we we're you know we're a little slow as a species, we have to be hit over the head before we realize the importance of this. But yeah. Bill went out to Kenya as a hunter and became a conservationist, and he created the first ever um game uh game ranch meaning that he actually bought- he actually went out captured paid for uh permits to capture nucleus breeding herds of thirty seven species and brought them back to the game ranch that he had or the ranch that he had purchased, and he with his partner Don hunt created a game farm the first ever in kenya there are there are lots of sanctuaries in Kenya. But those are mostly people who have who have fenced in and protected the animals that were roaming on their land, yeah. and which is a bit different than what Bill was creating and what still exists. Today we still have the Mount Kenya uh, game ranch. The 37 species are still breeding, and five of them are no longer visible in the wild. And one of them in particular, we're the only ones that have them. And we have a subspecies of of, uh, of zebras that are albinized, meaning they are they have blue eyes and they have beige stripes. Hmm. So Bill always felt that the uh, the most important effort uh, to back up specific animal preservation was through education, yes. and he was desirous of creating an education center on his game ranch before he died unfortunately uh, all those years ago in 1981 and so as a living monument to Bill his two partners and I created the William Holden Wildlife Foundation which I actually run Um, and we now serve presently at our education center which um, is adjacent to the game ranch and which is on 15 acres that we excised from the game ranch we now serve about 11,000 students a year. This year will be over 11,000. Wow. And they come to us to learn the importance of biodiversity, what is biodiversity, how climate is created, the importance of preserving our natural species and the species that have accompanied us through evolution, and why we should care whether they disappear or not. Hmm. And we also offer practical and uh, low-cost alternatives to habitat destruction that are eminently available and easily applied to our rural communities. Uh, and they find that they once they employ these methods, uh, it saves them money rather than costing money for um, employing um, what is actually more damaging to the environment, which are foreign um, fertilizers and uh Technology, which really um, doesn't necessarily apply as well as the natural form yeah. of of uh, farming.
1: Well, one thing I was uh, kind of shocked over, we, I was reading over one of your newsletters, um, and there was a picture of, and, and I don't want to sound gruesome to to, the, to our listeners, but there were two elephant's feet, and under under it, it was uh, a caption that said these are destined to be somebody's coffee table. And then in the article it was talking about how 20,000 elephants a year are killed, and I, I was surprised. I didn't realize that it was that much. Yeah. To, and, and that people would do that, that you know, make a coffee table out of elephants' feed.
0: Well, elephants require about 400 pounds of food per day, per elephant. And uh, so they they need land to to roam so that they can so that the land can recover once they've passed and they need a corridor and of course with everybody's uh increased desire for more and more land because they they don't use the land they have properly and they farm out a piece of land by the overuse of pesticides and the overuse of chemical fertilizer rendering whatever acreage small acreages of land um, unproductive uh, for many, many years, they then move on to another piece of land and they destroy that land. Well, if they knew how to properly farm the land that they had, they wouldn't have to do that. Mm, yeah. And then there might be a potential for coexistence between the wild creatures who have every right to exist on the same land that we do.
1: Right. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to let everybody know what the, your website is for the William Holden Wildlife Foundation so if anybody is interested in getting in touch with the, the foundation they could um, do you want to give that out or do you want me to
0: oh, oh go ahead if it, you're doing well
1: <laughs> it's www.whwf.org and they can get more information there about uh, uh, wildlife preservation and, and what your program's all about
0: and and come and be uh, a member
1: yes yes yeah so that's that's a good cause for people to get involved with.
0: Well, we'd love it. Uh, you know, we're we're very involved with our donors. Our donors have always been treated as part of our family, uh, and and we we we've kept a, a, a loyal nucleus of donors. I think, as a result, uh, I look upon uh, I look upon the management of the donations as a sacred trust, and I hope and think uh, that we reflect that in in the, all the ways in which we acknowledge our donors and we keep them informed of everywhere that their their money is going and the kind of usage mm-hmm. it is getting likewise <coughs> on site in Kenya everybody who comes through the doors first visits some of the buildings and on on the buildings plastered to the walls are are these little tiles upon which are the names of every single donor who has ever given us any money, what? because we want everybody to understand that it is ordinary people like them that gave of their hard-earned nickels, dimes, quarters to make it possible for, these, for Africans to come and visit, learn about their own country, and learn about how valuable their own environment and their precious and unique species are to the rest of the world, and that these people all have names, <laughs> and faces and jobs and, you know, heartache as well as they do, and uh, they honor them by respecting that, this, uh, uh, that they will go away from this facility and um, try to actually do something about what we teach
1: sounds good and and i can tell you're a dog lover because i can hear your dogs You can hear all
0: of my critters in the background yes protecting me yes <laughs> i have four rescue dogs all my dogs are rescued
1: yeah, we have we one all too have yeah.
0: to, you know if we're going to look for dogs i think we can go to the local pound and all of our local pounds are full up to uh just uh quota i I came home with two dogs. I was looking for one dog to replace one of my darling dogs that had passed away, and I wound up coming home with two because I just couldn't resist to bring home. So now I've got four little dogs here that I've rescued from um, death row, and um, I've got four large dogs in Kenya that I took away from the equivalent of the ASPCA. Can you imagine what the ASPCA looks like in Nairobi? Yeah. Well... These four big dogs are they they're they're very happy now,
1: <laughs> well, as far as your acting um of course, if I didn't ask about that, people would be upset with me because <laughs> you've done so much. What made you decide to become an actress in the first place?
0: well, i guess in a in a funny sort of way, it was by accident i was um uh, I was a dancer id uh, um when I was a child, I was in a little ballet company as a child and uh I used to perform the Bluebird, and then when the big ballet companies would come around, I would perform in the, you know, the Nutcracker ballets. And so when I got very tall, I, I couldn't um, justify being a ballet dancer anymore. And so I started studying at the American School of Dance, and uh, I studied with mathematics, and I studied jazz. And they would always post... um uh, on the on the bulletin board at the school they would post auditions for whatever traveling show was coming through from New York or a ballet company or a movie that was being cast and needed dancers. And a friend of mine who was uh, 16 years old and had a driver's license and was just as tall as I, uh, the two of us would go on these auditions for fun and, and adventure. Our parents always used to laugh, our mothers always used to laugh, because they never look at the faces of dancers, they only look at their feet. And we were always kept till the end, until the girl with the clipboard would come around to get our names, and she'd look at our faces and say, how old are you? And we'd stand up very tall and say, 17. I was 15 and she was 16, and then eventually the girl with the clipboard would say, get out of here, you know? (laughs) Well, we went to an audition for the movie West Side Story, and we were not told to get out of here. We were told to come back for some more auditions. I went to 16 auditions. Wow. And I was asked to screen test, and I did uh, three screen tests, and eventually they asked uh, me to go get my working papers at uh, uh, the Board of Education or whatever, so my mother and I went down. and they uh they had papers waiting for me and because as a minor under the age of 18 you had to have a parent or a guardian on the set and you had kind of restrictive hours that you could actually work and after was it a little over 2 months of rehearsal before we they started to film and they had just begun to cast or they had just cast uh, Natalie Wood uh as the lead mm-hmm. And began another, you know, months of rehearsal. Uh, I was replaced by a girl who had done the part on Broadway because uh, it was just too silly. I was I was not really important in the in the production, and and uh, I couldn't work all the all the hours they wanted me to work.
1: Uh-huh.
0: But it was a great experience because I worked for um, Jerome Robbins. How uh, how much more could I ever hope for than mm. that? Yeah. And Robert Wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> And as a result, there was a director on the lot. It was Samuel Goldwyn's studio in Hollywood, which is now, um, it's an independent studio now. But it was a Samuel Goldwyn lot, and it still uh, looked exactly the way he built it. And um, there was a director liked to work with young people who had some performing skills but had never actually really uh, been trained. He wanted to mold them as actors. Mm -hmm. So I went up to his office and read for him and he gave me the part in a little independent film. And when that film was shown around the the, uh, studios in an effort to get a release, I was invited to join the, um, the contract players at 20th Century Fox MGM and at Columbia um, and st- where they all had uh, uh, acting coaches and the contract players were all uh, obligated to this is the last of the studio system mm-hmm. the end of the great studio system where all the, the studios had acting coaches and the contract players were obliged to attend acting class And anybody who was being, you know, eventually considered for a a, a long-term contract would be invited to go and attend those classes and work on an acting scene with one of the contract players. Then you would eventually do the scene for the casting department. You would put that scene on film, and they would then, if they liked you, offer you a seven-year contract. Well, that was a great privilege to have three opportunities to go for a seven-year contract. So while I was uh, uh, at, I was rushing to class at Columbia, I pushed a door against somebody and literally smashed into a man who was wearing the same sunglasses as I was. And in those days, if there had been a pair of sunglasses that was all the rage in the south of France, it would take about three years to get to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And he said, where did you get those sunglasses? And I said, well, a friend of mine just came from the south of France and brought them to me. I said, where did you get yours? And he said, I was just in the south of France. I said, oh, good. He said, what do you do here? And I said, well, I'm an actress. And he said, are you any good? And I said, yeah, well, yes, of course I am. And he said, well, I'm a director. I'm making a movie here. You should come up and see me. I may have a part for you. And I said, well, I can't come up and see you now. I'm late for class. He said, oh, well, come up after class. He said, By the name, well, my name is Blake Edwards. Wow. <laughs> and one thing led to another, and I did a screen test opposite uh, Lee Remick as, his, as her sister, and Blake gave me the job. Wow. And now, that put me under contract to Columbia.
1: Now, at that time, were you going under the name of Taffy Paul?
0: Taffy was my nickname.
1: Oh, that was your nickname, because I was wondering how you came up with that Stephanie,
0: name. <laughs> Ma, I was baptized Stefania Zosia Federkevi. So my uh my father changed his name and um I was in school as Stephanie Powers.
1: uh uh-uh. You also were in the movie The Interns with Cliff Robertson.
0: That's and, right. And
1: I actually interviewed Cliff two weeks ago.
0: Oh, did you? Yes,
1: he's such a nice man.
0: was he, How yeah. old Clifford? We did lots of work together. Oh, you did really? We did two, three movies and uh, a long-running, uh, a long-form uh, television series, uh, you know, a, a mini-series called The, Compa- the, the Company. Mm-hmm. Which was about the CIA. Oh, ah, yeah,
1: yeah. He so was... and
0: and Clifford, I, I've known Clifford. He watched me grow up. So it's uh, uh, we're dear old friends. Oh,
1: yeah, huh. So was it was it was that a, a good movie to work on with James MacArthur and?
0: Oh well, everything was a good movie to work on. <laughs> I was uh, young and inexperienced and excited about everything that was going on.
1: Yeah. Now in 1966, of course. You, you just everybody was watching the girl from Uncle with you as April Dancer, and uh, that was your first series of your own. First uh,
0: television show.
1: How was how was that getting your own series like that?
0: Well, it was quite extraordinary. You know, I never realized it at the time. Somebody told me many years after the fact. They said, "Did you realize that yours was the first television series, an hour-long television series, ever?" that starred of, of a woman. Oh, really? Yes. Wow,
1: I didn't realize it, that. It
0: was l- after that that Angie Dickinson did the uh, the detective's woman. Mm-hmm. You know, the
1: po- was it police woman, I think?
0: Policewoman. Yeah,
1: yeah. Huh, I didn't know that.
0: So mine was the first.
1: Yeah, and it, was, it, it I, of course I always loved the man from U.N.C.L.E. so when the girl from U.N.C.L.E. came on, it was just a continuation, more or less, of, you know, enjoying yeah. the show.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, um, of course, you continued on guest starring after that ended on everything from Lancer, Love American Style, Maud Squad, Barnaby Jones.
0: Yeah, well, then the movie for television started to uh, become mm-hmm. popular, and the miniseries. Yeah. And I think I did one of the first miniseries Oh, ever. really? Yeah. And then I did, my gosh, I did about 20, 20 or 25 movies, uh, uh, a miniseries. I was one of the queens of the miniseries. mm mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and lots and lots of movies for television. And then um, the second television series was called Feather and Father.
1: Yeah, with Harold Gould.
0: With Harold Gould, which was adorable. And it was I had so much fun with Harold. He's a wonderful actor. And, and of course, it was a few years later that Heart to Heart.
1: Right, the, the big one that everybody remembers you from and everybody enjoyed so much...
0: I, mean. well, I enjoyed it
1: too. Now, had you and Robert worked with each other in the past?
0: We uh, had. I had guest, guest starred on uh, one of his uh, episodic uh, uh, shows. Well, that it, takes he did it Takes a Thief? It Takes a Thief. Yeah,
1: okay, yeah. Yeah. And um, now, why did the series end? Was it something you chose to do, the two of you? Which? or No.
0: What? Uh, absolutely not uh, heart-to-heart in fact i was doing a mini-series called Mistral's daughter in paris and we uh, in my uh, hiatus period from uh, heart to heart and i got a call on sunday night from robert wagner and the two producers and the man who had kind of written us uh... tom mankowitz and directed the pilot Telling me that we were cancelled and which was complete shock yeah I mean it was such because a hit because we were preparing to uh, film in France, we were going to go and do two shows, and they were preparing uh they were preparing scripts, one about um, um uh, our dog freeway falling in love with a French poodle, <laughs> and another one that had to do with the fashion business and uh, which uh guy Laroche was going to f- play prominently and who was a friend of mine. And we were canceled. And what had happened was that a man had taken over the new the position, a man who, whose name we will never remember because he was fired subsequently. Mm-hmm. Took over the 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 helm at ABC and canceled seven hours of primetime television.
1: Sometimes you wonder about these networks. Why, uh, you know, what are they thinking when they're canceling a show like Heart to Heart? I mean. <laughs>
0: I, I I can't believe it. We were all just shell-shocked. We were absolutely speechless.
1: I'm sure. Gee.
0: It came as such a terrible shock to. Us.
1: But then in 93 they revived it as some TV movies?
0: Yes. Um we, we were able to put a period at the end of the sentence and we did six six or eight uh 2-hour mini uh, um TV movies.
1: Now, was that brought about by fan demand or was it just No, it
0: was brought about by A determined producer Mm -hmm. called Jimmy Veris who wanted to bring us back on the air and uh, he finally found a slot for us at at NBC um, because NBC had decided that they were going to try and reactivate this notion of uh, a wheel well unfortunately only about four people remembered what a wheel was (laughs) because a wheel was was a series of, of uh similar themed shows uh that would come out in a two hour format and and actually Universal invented it mm-hmm. in the days when they had name of the game
1: Oh yes yeah.
0: Uh remember this? Yep. The Name of the Game, Columbo, mm-hmm. McLeod and McMillan and Wife. Yeah. Those were the four shows that would be on once a month. Each one was on once a month,
1: mm-hmm. yep.
0: and they were on for a, on a two-hour movie.
1: Yeah,
0: same hour, but it, it rotated between the four shows, and it seemed to be very uh, successful and went on for quite a number of years. And then uh, um, when they stopped that show, I think Columbo went on. Uh, on an hourly as an hour show for a few more years on a weekly basis but it was a, it was a format that you'd have to educate the public to understand yeah
1: yeah
0: and so we went on with three other shows that no one had ever heard of Uh-oh. and gradually the spokes of the wheel began to disintegrate <sighs> and we were the only one left
1: yeah
0: well to have us on once a month and most of the time nobody knew when we were going on or not going on just didn't didn't seem to to be practical
1: nowadays it seems like that's the norm though nobody knows when a show is on because it keeps they keep changing times and everything
0: it's very odd you know i i i don't know people keep saying have you seen this show or that show and i can't keep track of where they are or what they're on, and there are two hundred. I don't know how anybody. Yeah. I don't know how anything is successful these days. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I really don't.
1: Yeah, it's changed so much. No, I mean, and like, like you say, the you know, the time changes. The 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 the, the network changes sometimes too. When and... we
0: were canceled, <laughs> we were canceled because we had dropped from a forty-three share. Mm-hmm. To a 40
1: share. Oh, jeez. We had
0: dropped three points.
1: Jeez.
0: I don't think, I mean, I don't know what you'd have to be to get a 40 share these days.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, (laughs) they would love to get those kind of numbers.
0: Are you kidding? I don't even know what gets them. Super Bowl, maybe.
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe the Super Bowl. Jeez. So, um, now... I mean, I know we're running out of time here, now, but there's so much other things we could cover. But <laughs> um, I just wanted to quickly look at um, now your singing career. Are, are you still, um, you know, putting out CDs or anything? Or
0: no, but I still. Uh, my Mar- I I loved making a CD with my darling friend Paige Cavanaugh, who was one of the great jazz pianists ever. Yeah, I've heard clips of that. Unfortunately, Paige died in January. Oh, uh, yeah. And But what a thrill, what a great memory, and how what a privilege to have worked with him and for him and collaborated on an album that was produced by a mutual friend of ours called On the Same Page. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> As my uh, first love is musical theater, yeah. and um, uh, that's what I've spent an awful lot of time doing over the last ten years. I, I took over... Uh, from Elaine Page uh, in the West End in London uh, doing Anna and the King of Siam. Yes, yes. And uh, did that in England for about four months, and then I toured the United States with the one of the last big productions. Uh, we were 78 people on the road. It was quite enormous, with Anna and the King, mm-hmm. with the King and I. And um, then most recently I was back in... Uh, in England back on the stage in England doing a a a Christmas show Cinderella. Yeah.
1: You're one of the fairy godmothers again,
0: playing the fairy godmother. Yeah. And um uh anything I can do to sing and dance. I love singing. I love musicals and uh uh I I really enjoy being able to perform them in in England because the theater in England is such a tradition. Yeah. And working in the West End is like working on Broadway um a little less stressful than working on Broadway I think but uh it's uh it's a great privilege to do that and that's what I've been doing
1: just uh, one other thing I wanted to make sure everybody knows that uh, you were nominated for 5 Golden Globe awards and 2 Emmys uh 2 Emmys uh for Heart to Heart and of course you won the People's Choice Award for Heart to Heart so um you know that was I'm sure it must have been exciting
0: oh well it's uh, I mean it's always one's always grateful for uh you know these these lovely uh, acknowledgements.
1: Yeah. Now, sometimes you read things and they may not be true. But was it true that you were once a bullfighter?
0: <laughs> I once caped a few bulls. You yeah. did.
1: I, 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 no offense, but I can't picture you. You know, the,
0: the. I was in Mexico. Know. I was spending a lot of time in Mexico. My brother was at school in Mexico, and my family had friends who owned bull ranches and. Uh, i knew uh through some mutual friends uh of my parents i knew i met a bullfighter who was married to an american actress called Anne. um oh god she was in the war of the Worlds. i think it was anne haywood anyway she was married to a man called jaime bravo who was a, a bullfighter and he said well why did you come i'll teach you about bullfighting and uh, We'll go run in the mountains and uh, while he's training and all this, and I'll teach you how to work the cape. So, I, you know, taught me these things. I was, uh, you know, just a kid. And uh, and one day we were all together in Mexico, and there was a little bull ring, and they said, Well, go on out there and try it. So that's... I, 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 I just can't
1: picture this this beautiful, little, delicate lady out there.
0: Well, I'm not so <laughs> delicate. <laughs> and now I do something even much more sensible. I play polo.
1: Polo. Yeah, I did read that. Yeah. Yes. So how does that? How's that? Uh... Well,
0: I started, I've always ridden. Yeah. And I started uh, uh, playing polo as, uh, to do something. Uh, there was an equestrian center there in Burbank, uh that had opened a polo facility and there were professional polo players playing and it was becoming very exciting to go there on a saturday night and watch a polo game indoors and the facility was absolutely perfect to do an event that would include the entire family as the first event fundraising event for the William Holden Wildlife Foundation Mm -hmm. and they were kind enough at the Equestrian Center to say well why don't we create a a celebrity team will teach you all how to play polo. You play a, you know, a little bit of celebrity polo, and then we'll get the pros out, and everybody will enjoy it. Well, William Devane, uh, Pamela Sue Martin, mm-hmm. Stacy Keach, and myself were formed a team, and every one of us except Stacy started buying horses and learning how to play polo. Really, it was just. Uh, It became uh, uh, just intoxicating. We just couldn't put it down. I'm still playing.
1: Well, it's funny. So is Devane. Yeah. Uh, It's funny you mention that because I interviewed um, James Drury, the Virginian. Remember that show? Oh, yes. Yeah. And he was telling me that somebody had asked him to go to a celebrity polo match and, you know, could he ride a horse? And he said, of course I can ride a horse. I'm the Virginian. And he said he rode the... he, he, He went there and he says he could ride the horse, but... Polo was the hardest thing in the world for him to, to maneuver around. Oh yeah, it's
0: not easy. No.
1: He said it took him a while to get used to it, but uh, it was it's funny. It takes,
0: it takes years. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: what he said. He says he was so glad to just get back to riding a horse as opposed to trying to hit that ball. He said. Mm. So well, Stephanie, I I. Can't say how much. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show and talk with you about all the things thank you've you done. Thank you so
0: much. Pleasure and, for me as well.
1: Yeah, and I, I want to uh, uh, congratulate you and um, you know uh, about your wildlife preservation work. I hope people will go to your website and uh, check that out and become a member and, and um, do a lot of good.
0: Me too.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much.
0: And thank you.
1: Well, Stephanie was such a lovely person to talk to. She's so nice, and we appreciate her taking the time to talk to us. And, um, it's, it's, you know, she did so many things. The Girl from U.N.C.L.E. used to love that show. And heart to heart, everybody loved that one. It just kept, you know, it, it went away, and then it just came back again. And, uh, you know, they, it's, it, it was just a great show. Uh, let's see. Well, the episode 54, like I told you earlier, is going to be coming out tomorrow in uh, celebration of the release of Paul Blart Mall Cop on DVD. And our special guest will be Rainy Rodriguez, who played the daughter of Kevin James on that film. And I just want to remind you about next week. We have the same thing. We have our regular Monday episode, and then that'll be followed up by another episode, following immediately after that. So next week we take you down to episode 55, as we enter the world of the Brady Bunch, right here on Screen and Beyond. And then we follow up the next day with a guest from a brand new show that is not out yet. It'll be out in the fall called Modern Family on ABC. We'll be talking with one of the stars of that show right here on Screen and Beyond. So I hope you're going to join us for that one. And go to onscreenandbeyond.com and you can listen to all our old episodes with all the great people we've interviewed uh, all the uh, Oscar winners and Oscar nominees and Golden Globe winners and and just great People to bring you great memories of all the shows that you used to love and uh, still do and and everything. So it's all right here at On Screen and Beyond. If you have any suggestions you'd like to uh, give us for people you'd like us to try to interview, give us an email, send it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and we'll see what we can do about getting those people on for you. And in the future, we have some more great guests If you want to get a hint of who's coming, you can go to onscreenandbeyond.com, scroll down to the bottom of the first page and almost near the bottom there, we have uh, an idea of some of the TV shows and movies that these people were on that we will be having coming up in the future, and we've made some great connections with more people, and we're going to have just more and more guests coming your way, and we hope you'll stick around and join and listen to them right here on On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, this is Brian saying take care.